welcome uh, Dr. Roy Taylor to our pulpit to bring the message. Roy's a native of uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and he's served in the PCA as a pastor for 16 years. He also served as a professor of practical theology at Reformed Theological Seminary in uh, Jackson, Mississippi for 10 years. He's been the stated clerk of our General Assembly since 1998. That is an accomplishment. <laughs> he served as an adjunct professor also at Reformed Theological Seminary. He's written a lot of articles and several books. He and his wife Donna have two children and seven grandchildren. We'd like to welcome him to pray for us and bring our message today. Roy. It's a joy to be with you. Uh, both your pastors were my former students. So if you like them, I'm happy to take the credit. And if you don't, you know, you can only do so much with material you have to work with. I was uh, here when you were meeting in your temporary facilities under the John Kinzer era, and also was here shortly after you uh, built this facility uh, with Joe King. In our prayer this morning, we want to remember David and Aaron Purvis, who are serving with MTW in the Ukraine. Uh, they have had to leave uh, Ukraine because of the uh, political unrest there. Also, we want to pray for the Reverend and Mrs. Mark Rodriguez, who are church planters in Virginia Beach, Virginia, with the PCA. Uh, this uh, springtime is a day, a time of great celebration in many cases with graduations and weddings. It was a difficult time last night. Uh, Mark Rodriguez, the son of Reverend Mrs. Carlos Rodriguez, graduated from a Christian high school in Virginia Beach. On his way home, uh, he was killed. A uh, Another teenager in Virginia Beach was uh, under the influence either of drugs or alcohol, but taking random shots at passing cars, and Mark was killed. So uh, we want to remember the Rodriguez family as well in our prayer today. Let us pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us uh, your spirit to comfort us and to encourage us. We adore you for your goodness and grace in sending your Son, the Lord Jesus, to be our Savior and Mediator. We give you thanks and praise for your grace and mercy. We confess that we have sinned and fall short of your glory. We thank you for the promise that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We pray for those who are serving you in the gospel, 
We pray for the Purvis family as they have a desire to return to the Ukraine. We pray that you will bring peace to that country and open the door for the gospel again there. We pray for those who suffer and those who are grieving. We pray that you will relieve the suffering of those who are sick, for Christians who are oppressed. We particularly pray for uh, Saeed Abendini, Assemblies of God minister who has been uh, incarcerated in Iran, for sharing the gospel. We pray for uh, Ken Bay, one of our Korean brothers who formerly served at PCA Church in Atlanta, who is now imprisoned in North Korea. We pray that you will show your mercy and grace to these, your servants, and to their families who pray for them. We also pray for the Rodriguez family as they deal with this great tragedy of the death of their son and such a senseless killing. We pray that you will comfort them and encourage them. We pray now as we come to the Word of God that your Spirit would be our teacher and lead us into the truth. And may the voice of Christ be heard through the proclamation of the Word of God. We pray in Christ's dear name. Amen. We have a reading from the Old Testament and from the New Testament, but they both speak of the same event of the final day, the final supper, uh, the marriage supper of of the Lamb. From the Old Testament at Isaiah chapter 25 at verse 6, listen to the word of God. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well refined. He will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away all tears from their faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain, and Moab shall be trampled in his place, as straw is trampled down in a dunghill. He will spread out his hands in the midst of it as a swimmer, spreads his hands out to swim, but the Lord will lay low his pompous pride together with the skill of his hands, and the high fortifications of his walls he will bring down, lay low, and cast to the ground, to the dust. And also from the Revelation chapter six, uh, chapter 19, verses 6 through 10.
Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of the mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We come today to worship our Lord Jesus Christ, and it is our privilege to celebrate the sacrament of communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, as it is called in the New Testament, the giving of thanks. There are many things that happen in communion. There are a number of perspectives we are called upon to observe. One of the ones that we observe most frequently and is usually the one that most of us uh, Protestants uh, refer to and, and particularly Reformed Christians is to remember the death of the Lord Jesus. And many communion tables that is carved in the front of the table, do this in remembrance of me. And I notice that on the uh, linen covering that you have that is embroidered, in remembrance of me. And certainly when we observe communion, we look back at the great cost of our redemption, the death of our Lord Jesus. It is as if it were a reenactment uh, of his death. Not a repetition, but a reenactment. In 1994, there was a 50th anniversary uh, in June of the Normandy invasion. People gathered from all over the world. And there were troops aligned, and there were paratroopers jumping out of planes. They even let one fellow, who had jumped at the age of 19, jump again. <laughs> so here he is, this uh, fellow, almost 60 years old, jumping out of an airplane. And, and he survived, by the way. didn't break any bones. That was one of the most epic battles in all of history. But at the reenactment... No one died. But the, it was more than just reading about an event in a history book. Many of the people who participated weren't even alive at the time of the Normandy invasion. So it is in the supper. We are reenacting the death of the Lord Jesus, not repeating it because it was once for all event. But we are transported, as it were, to Calvary. We look in ourselves. Let every man examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. So we remember our sins. We thank God for the grace of the gospel. We thank God for the progress that we see in our lives because of his grace. We look around 
and see the, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church, scattered throughout the world in all, cultures, in all cultures and many languages and many places in the earth. And we recall, in spite of the tragedy of the denominationalism, we recall the unity of the church, our brothers and sisters throughout the world of many denominational brands who are redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus and united together with us by the Holy Spirit. But in addition, we also look ahead. And our Lord Jesus, when he gave the, this sacrament, said, I have desired to eat this with you, and I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And that's what we want to focus on today. As we come to the Lord's table, let us look forward to, with great anticipation to the final supper, the marriage supper of the Lamb. It was predicted by Isaiah some 700 years before the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you may recall in one instance when, the, at, when Jesus was at Capernaum, a Gentile came to him and said that he wanted the Lord Jesus to heal his servant. And Jesus offered to come to his house, and he said, Oh, no, you don't need to come. Just speak the word, and he will be healed. And Jesus said, I haven't found faith like that in Israel. Here is a Gentile who has such great faith in me. I tell you, on the last day, people will come from the north and the south, from the east and the west, and they will sit down with our father Abraham in a great feast. It is the same feast that Isaiah prophesied. And when John was given the revelation, he was able to look forward until the last day at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So as we come to the Lord's table, we not only look back, we not only look within, we not only look around, we look forward to the day when our Lord Jesus will have returned and we will have the great feast. Now, I noticed your bulletin. I didn't give an outline because I like the element of surprise. Uh, but evidently, you're used to three-point sermons, but most of my sermons are two-point sermons. And it's easy to follow, just two points and two subpoints under each point. Now, as we look forward to that final day, we want to look forward to the finality of our salvation, our deliverance. You know, there's a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and there's some similarities between the Old and New Testaments as well. The Old Testament is sort of like uh, uh, the chandelier in the rea on a rheostat in your dining room. Uh, in the, when you have uh, people over and having a, a nice dinner, usually turn the lights down a bit. But then after when everyone is left and you want to get all the crumbs off the table, you turn the rheostat up fully to its brightest setting so that you'll be able to clean up well. Now in the Old Testament, the light is dim. And in the New Testament, it's much brighter, but it doesn't get the brightest until the Lord Jesus returns. 
So Isaiah foresaw the salvation of the people of God. Now, every culture has an us and them mentality. There are those of us, whatever your culture or ethnic group or uh, political persuasion or religious whatever, and then there is them, the other people. Now, that the Old Testament is sort of uh, that way. It was the Jews and the Gentiles, us and them. And the Gentiles, that you find that term in the New Testament, you find it all throughout the Old Testament, but you don't use the English word. The term peoples or nations, that means Gentiles. And here Isaiah looks forward to the day when there will be the salvation of all the peoples, all of the Gentiles. We, we look uh, at other people uh, sometimes who are different than we are, and we don't realize that we all come from the same stock. <laughs> we all go back to Noah. We all go back to Adam and Eve. And the Lord has a concern for all peoples. Do you ever wonder what God thinks or what God thought when he said something? Sometimes in the Bible we are given hints about what that was. What was God thinking when he said to Abraham, I will make of you a great nation, and through you all peoples of the earth will be blessed? Well, it, the, the Bible explains it to, to us in the New Testament in Galatians chapter 3. God wasn't saying to Abraham, I'm going to make you the ruler of the world. God was saying to Abraham, or as Paul said, God foreseeing that he would justify the Gentiles by faith said, in your seed all nations of the earth will be blessed. God was seeing that he would save a great host of people. I remember when I was 10 years old, we had a family reunion from my mother's side of the family, the German side. Taylor's English Kaiser is German. And one of the family members had, had traced the uh, family tree back to Saxony. And uh, I had heard that the term Kaiser means emperor. So I was thinking, maybe we're descendants from royalty. But actually, we weren't. Uh, my ancestors were food tasters. They worked in the kitchen for the German nobles. <laughs> but people were trying to kill them. The food tasters would eat it to be sure the food wasn't poisoned. So I didn't come from nobility at all. And we were tricked into coming here. The English had settled in Charleston, and the Cherokee Indians kept coming down from the upper part of the a colony and killing the English, so they thought, we've got to have a buffer zone here. So let's, I know, let's, let's get some Germans over here and promise them free land. So they promised uh, uh, people in Saxony, if you come to the colony of South Carolina, we'll give, you, we'll give you free land. So that's why you have, in Columbia, in the middle of the state, you have a lot of German surnames and a lot of Lutheran churches. 
they tricked my family into coming here. But one thing I remember positively about that family reunion, all those people, those second and third cousins and great aunts and great uncles, we looked alike. There was the Kaiser nose. Uh, and some of them had the same sense of humor and so forth. Why? Because we're in the same family. Now, the family of the redeemed, we don't look alike. But we are all redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus. And one of the differences in the Old Testament and the New Testament is in the Old Testament, God revealed himself primarily in his salvation in, through, and for the people of ethnic Israel. They have a few Gentiles here and there that are saved, but not a lot. And once in a while, a revival like Jonah's preaching at Nineveh. But not that wasn't the norm. But in the New Testament, the grace of God is shed throughout all the earth. In the Old Testament, Satan had deceived the nations. But Jesus bound the, the strong man, as he says in Matthew 12. And now he doesn't deceive the nations any longer. And now most believers are Gentiles, not Jews. But God hasn't forgotten the Jews. And in Romans 9, 10, and 11, God tells us that when the, as the fullness of Gentiles come in, there will also be a turning by the Jewish people to true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the larger catechism, for example, when we pray, Thy kingdom come, what do we pray? Westminster Assembly said, we pray that the Fullness of the Gentiles will come in and that the Jews will be called. So we look forward to a day when there will be this great family reunion. And the, John tells us in the Revelation, there will be people there from every tongue, every tribe, every nation of the earth. Now there's a project going on to bring the scriptures into every language in the world. And it's nearing completion. The target date is 2025. It's not very far away, is it? Only 11 years. Where the Bible will have been published in every known written language on the face of this earth. And we look forward to the time when we will have been saved and delivered and we will see the great family reunion in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, first point then, as we look forward to our salvation, Gentiles and Jews. Second thing is, at this final supper, we look forward to the consummation of history. Now, that involves a couple of things. It involves judgment. The Moabites were constant enemies of Israel. So part of the principle of the Bible is that God speaks to us in language we can understand. So when, he, when Isaiah spoke to the people in 7th century B.C. and he talked about the Moabites, they said, oh yeah, we know those people. But God is saying, on the last day, they will face judgment. No matter how strong they have appeared to be, 
Paul carries the same theme over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 when he talks about the Lord Jesus Christ coming again to bring judgment and vengeance upon all who have persecuted the people of God. World, uh, the 20th century was the bloodiest century in the history of the world for warfare. If you've been to Europe and you've been to villages or towns in the United Kingdom and you see all those war monuments, you may have noticed, as I did the first time I saw those monuments, the names of those killed from villages in Scotland in World War I, or the Great War as they called it, almost twice as many as those in World War II. The 20th century was the bloodiest century for warfare in the history of the world. It was also the bloodiest century for the persecution of Christians. I'll give you a pop quiz. Professors like to do that. What percentage of all of the martyrs of all time were killed in the 20th century? Time's up. The answer is 50%. One half of Christians who ever died for the cause of Christ died in the 20th century. And now the most persecuted religion in the world today is the Christian religion. The Christians are virtually disappearing in the Middle East. The most dangerous places in the world today to be Christians are Syria and Egypt. And throughout the world, there is great persecution going on. But on the final day, the day of consummation, there will be the judgment of all of those who have persecuted the people of God. But then there is the and the finality, the consummation of things, the setting of everything right. The Bible is sort of like a great symphony with four movements. Creation, fall into sin, and all of its consequences, not simply personal, but cosmic consequences. And then redemption through our Lord Jesus, typified in the Old Testament in a number of different ways, the Exodus, for example. And then the consummation, when all things are put right. This world is broken. It doesn't work right. My first car was a 1955 Chevrolet, which I got used. But you may remember back in those days when they had leaded gas. And that was bad on the uh, exhaust systems, and they rusted out quickly. And I remember in my, my 55 Chevrolet, they, there was a, 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 the pipe had rusted as it came out of the muffler, uh, just at the clamp, and it, and it broke, the pipe broke. And there I was dragging the muffler around Birmingham. Well, I didn't have any money, you know, just a high school kid. But uh, there was a coat hanger in the trunk. And so I got a coat hanger out of the trunk, crawled up under my car, and wired up the muffler so it wouldn't drag. 
It was broken. It wasn't working right. This world hasn't worked right since Adam and Eve brought us into sin. We get to heaven, there's this long line, and it's everybody lining up to Adam and Eve. They're all asking the same question. What were you thinking? <laughs> but the world doesn't work right. And, but in the new heavens and the new earth, most of us, a lot of us will be out of a job. I'll be out of a job. Because we'll be directly taught by the Lord. Anyone in the medical field, you will be out of a job. Because there will be no curse, no sickness, no death, no dying, no grief. We won't need a legal system. We won't need counselors. Because the world will be made right in the new heavens and the new earth. Things affect you. My father died when I was three months old. I don't remember my father. My older sisters do, but I don't. It's difficult for me to sing some hymns like, For all the saints who from their labors rest. I can't sing the part. Children no longer fatherless, nor widows desolate. But I will one day, on the last day, as redeemers, as redeemed believers, we are together with the Lord. <clears throat> So the first I want to see Jesus, then I want to see my daddy. <clears throat> when we come to this table, that's what we do. We look forward to a day. Not only when the oppressors are judged, but we are all reunited. And the world is fixed. And it will work right for the rest of eternity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this, your word. We pray as we come now to your table that you will speak to us, not only to help us remember the awful cost of our redemption, not only to help us to think of the unity of the church, across all denominations, across, across all races, across all human barriers of wealth or education or status. We pray that you will help us to look forward with keen anticipation to the last day, that great reunion of all of your people throughout all of time, As we live in a world that works right forever. By your grace, we pray in Jesus' dear name. Amen. Let's stand and sing the first two verses of hymn 175.
the words of our Lord Jesus Christ as he instituted the sacrament of communion. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. ...of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not simply the table of the Presbyterian Church of America. It is for those who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. It is for a forgiven people. It is for a prepared people. Jesus, the scriptures tell us, let every man examine himself and so eat the bread and drink the cup. So as we come, we confess our sins to the Lord as we have done. It is also for an understanding people, for those who understand the significance of the sacrament in which we participate. So we invite all of those who meet these biblical standards, whether you be a member of this congregation or another denomination, or to all who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, to all who are communicant members in good standing of any evangelical church, we invite you to come. And as we come, we realize that our lives are never spotless. Our understanding is never infallible. Our preparation never complete. And it is, as some have said, a medicine for the soul. So we also invite those who are struggling believers, but nevertheless believers. Discouraged believers, but nevertheless believers. Come and take these elements to your comfort. The Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread broke it and blessed it before passing it among them.
So I, ministering in his name, do the same. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this symbol of the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. We give you great thanks and praise. Blessed are you, O Lord, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. We give thanks to you for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us. In his name we pray.